Hey everyone, what is going on? Welcome back to the San Basale Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. We got a lot that I want to talk about right now. And of course, I did mention that this is going to be our SAG Awards conversation. And of course, because this is an award season conversation, it's another award season show. I have to bring back on my great friend, Jason Abdel. Once again, Jason, how's it going? We haven't had you on since the Oscar nominations. We got a lot to talk about. How you doing though? How's, how's it been? How you doing? Just in life or in movie world, both have been pretty sad, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, it's, it's like that post-Oscar season drought now where, uh, you know, a lot of the conversation is just like Snyder Cut, Falcon Winter Soldier, Godzilla, Godzilla v. Kong. Kong. And I'm like, that's <laughs> There's a lot to talk about, man. And it, yeah, so what also there's this sad thing when you spend all of uh, the preseason watching all the Oscar movies, and then the nominations come out and you're like, now what? And everyone's talking about, oh, what movie should I be watching? It's like, ah, oh, I can't be part of that conversation. <laughs> exactly. I feel that's why like everyone at work is like, oh, these are the movies I gotta watch now. I'm like, oh man, I've seen them all. Like <laughs> I've seen them all. But isn't that a good feeling though when you have it's it? a good like, feeling when... like I knew this was gonna get nominated. Exactly. I'm... I'm ahead of the curve. Exactly. Or like when, when you go down like best picture list or all the, the categories and you say, I've seen this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie. It's like, I man, I really did a lot of movie watching. I'm still going to get to the father. I haven't been able to. Yeah, I have to do the, the time for it. Yeah, I have to do Father, Minari, and Pieces of Woman. Even though Vanessa Kirby is the only thing nominated, I still want to watch that movie. So that one, that's have another one. Have you seen Hillbilly Elegy? I have not. I don't that's know if I'm going to get as many nominations. I know, I know. I don't know if I want to get to that one though. It's just, That's it's just shame. That's such a shame. I know, but all I need to know is Glenn Close is nominated, which seemed like it was going to happen, which it, it did happen. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll get to it. That, that could be something like spur of the moment where I'm like, you know what? I'll watch it, but I, I don't know. And the, a lot of these movies have to be in the right headspace with too. Yeah. Like, these are like really deep, especially like the father pieces of a woman. Like they're pieces really deep movies. Hmm, that one. Yeah. I haven't seen the father, but piece of a woman. That's a, that's a ride. Yeah, that's a ride. I, I, it looks like it just from what I hear. It, just the 30 minutes to 40 minutes of that, the, the one take scene alone sounds like enough movie for me. So, but enough of that, though. We are going to be talking about Pieces of a Woman in this category or in this talk that we're going to have. Of course, it has to do with the Screen Actors Guild, which premieres on April 3rd this year. And it is, or actually April 4th, I believe, is the date of the Screen mm-hmm. Actors Guild. It is this Sunday. And they're doing it a little bit differently, a lot differently than the Golden Globes have done at the Critics' Choice. It's going to be something that is different, different than what the Oscars are going to be doing, which we'll talk about that when it gets closer to the Academy Awards on April 25th, which we're in the month now. So it's crazy to even think that we're closing in on the final stretch of this award season, which has been the longest stretch, at least in my memory. It, last year was the shortest. But yeah, it's like year's the longest. just kind of eligibility. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But yeah, we're we're in that final stretch. We're in the season. We're in the hunt. Yep, it's we're, crazy. We're seeing it, but now I think this is. We have really two more big indicators, three more big indicators. Yes. Of uh, who could win categories, this is probably one of the bigger ones. It's it pretty much solidifying a lot of acting races. Absolutely. Um, there's sometimes that there's a there's a just not a discrepancy, but there is a there's an oddity. It happened with. 
the Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman in the favorite with the wife or Casey Affleck, mm-hmm. Denzel Washington with Fences and Manchester by the Sea. But we'll get to those in just a little bit. But I do want to talk about the other two guilds that have happened over the last few weeks. And that is, of course, the, Jub- the WGA Guild, which is the Writers Guild Association and the Producers Guild Association. So we'll start with the WGA and the two winners in that category were Promising Young Woman for Best Original Screenplay and Borat's subsequent movie film won Best Adapted Screenplay. So Jason, just to kind of go through real quick, were, were those surprises for you, especially Borat, or, or do you think that with Promising Young Woman winning Best Original Screenplay, is that the front runner to win that specific category? And what, what do you think this race indicates going for that those two categories moving forward? I always felt Promising Young Woman was gonna end up being the front runner for original. If it, if it does, as I predicted, was it's initially predicted was its get out trajectory of getting, the, it got the five nominations that get out got and get out ended up winning original screenplay. Um, also, I don't think that won the globe for screenplay promising women didn't win the globe. Um, it's, it's on a very similar trajectory. Now, maybe it'll do a little better than get out because uh, Carrie Mulligan seems to be a conversation worth having. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Minari was not nominated. Minari didn't get nominated. Unlike the Globes that didn't nominate it for, you know, because it was not, you know, spoken in a other language. The guilds have very weird guidelines about what, or the Writers Guild specifically, about what is eligible for each of its categories. So every year, just massive, um, you know, big, big contenders just, are not eligible. And we'll get into that more in the uh, adapted conversation because it's extra bad there. But yeah, it was really just once, uh, oh my God, I'm thinking last year was once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, (laughs) It's mixing together. uh, Trial trial of the Chicago 7 and Promising Young Woman. That was like the the two. And Trial of Chicago 7 like really needed this if it was going to do anything. Sorkin already got snubbed in director at Oscar. So this was really his chance to win another Academy Award. And uh, it looks like that opportunity might not happen. Um, I'm rooting for Promising Young Woman. We'll see when Minari is added to the conversation, if that changes anything, if that will affect Oscar. I think I think there's a chance it does, um, but I, I don't know. I still have Minari as like my three in screenplay, and I'm feeling pretty confident about Promising Young Woman. On to the Borat conversation. That's yeah. fun. <laughs> that is a good win because the I guess the main front runner Nomadland was not eligible. Uh, arguably, the runner up uh, potentially to that would be the father, also not eligible. So it was just I guess default go on one night in Miami because I don't think Ma Rainey was going to do it. I don't think White Tiger was going to do it. I don't think I – mean, Ma Rainey wasn't even nominated for the Oscar. I think News of the World was also nominated, mm-hmm. also not nominated for the Oscar. Yeah. So it's just kind of what's going to actually it, – it's just – it's a fun one, and it shows a lot of love for Borat, especially seeing it do so well at the Globes um, and then actually get a couple Oscar nominations, including for adapted screenplay. But it's it. This is just for fun. 
Yeah, and and it can I think sometimes when, especially with the eligibility uh, rules, like I remember one year Guardians of the Galaxy got nominated in adapted screenplay. It's just because a lot of the big movies that year were not eligible in that category. It just sometimes they just have fun with it. Yeah, which is again, it's just those eligibility rules that kind of get in the way for the the presumptive nominees that we would think are going to be coming for those categories. But do you think that there's any chance that Borat's physical movie film has any shot of maybe taking over the front runner status for No Man Lands, which is <laughs> if, that number one spot right now? Or again, which is kind of like a fun against, win. It's going up against two best picture contenders. Yeah. And it's going but more importantly, it's going up against like the runaway front runner for best picture. Yeah. Um maybe a different year, which is crazy. I mean, maybe not a different year. I mean COVID this is really the year something wild would happen. But, hey, you know, it got its nomination, and the fact that yeah. it even won anything, it's like, I'll let it happen. I, I, I love that for the movie. And, yeah, people don't, might not, because it's improvised, people not, might not understand, like, the level of writing that goes into something like that. But, you know, it, it definitely does deserve that kind of that love and attention, I would say. Ah, absolutely, I agree. And again, like you were saying, it, it goes to show that there is a lot of love for the film, and it's not just Maria Bakalova who has kind of been the 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 star of that film. Not just with the, the film itself, but when you talk about its award season run, the campaign, it's been Maria Bakalova from the start. So to actually see the film itself get a lot of love, and, and its script and its screenwriting, when a lot of it's improvised, goes to show that, like you were saying, it was very popular amongst a lot of award voting bodies this season. And then, of course, also with Promising Young Woman for Emil Fennell, who was in a stacked directing category this year with the presumptive nominee frontrunner in Chloe Zhao potentially winning that category. I think for her to be the frontrunner with this script, which was unique and fun and interesting and different and really kind of wrapped it, did, did, did a 180 flip on the on the revenge genre in a way, I think was is really exciting to see her in that frontrunning status and to see her get a lot of those accolades for that script. But going back to Nomadland, I want to kind of transition over again to talk about that film and its frontrunner status, not just in screenplay, but also in Best Picture. And one of the other other award indicators moving forward for the Academy Awards of what might win is the Producers Guild. And eight eight times out of ten usually, sometimes again the exact, there are what's that? I forget the exact stat. It's it's very likely. It's, it's very likely. Pretty yeah. much it. Last year was a weird exception uh, where it didn't pan out, but it's like every single time I've gotten Best Picture wrong, it's because I've misread the PGA. Like last situation. year. That but was last me last year. year. That was, but that was just a bizarre thing. Yeah. Well, that well, was just a fluke. That was just the stars aligning to make something nice happen. But with Parasite so talking about? Yeah, with to have Parasite win, even though it didn't go with uh, reality of uh, how the uh, PGA usually goes. But I'm thinking, and you know, despite being such a great Oscar prognosticator, I've I've just been boofing Best Picture like the last however many years. I but yeah, it was like I I I'm sometimes headstrong. I'm thinking 2018. It went to Green Book, and if I'm remembering that correctly, and I was like, no way, it's mm-hmm. going to Roma. I'm being headstrong about it. No way. I'm wrong. Uh, the year before that, it went to Shape of Water. I went mm-hmm. headstrong and said, no, it's going to three billboards. <laughs> billboards. I was wrong. <laughs> the year before that, 
Um, it went to La La Land. Yep. So there you go. That's the time it would run. But that was, again, it's like it has to be such a curveball. Right. Like that only Oscar does it. Right. Well, for listen, for three minutes and like like 15 seconds, we were all, like you and I, I, I picked La La Land. We were both right for a short Technically, time it was right. Yeah, you're right. Technically, it was right. <laughs> Um, and then the year before that, it was, I think it was off. It got big short instead of uh, spotlight. Mm-hmm. That was also an all over the place thing. Uh, but then if you go back more, it's, it's usually pretty accurate. Yeah. It's, but, I think the fact that it just missed, maybe it's like one of those where it's like on twice and then the third year it's off. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, this, now the calendar's realigned. Right. This is this is how Oscar prognosticators think. This is the true movie mindset. Exactly. Um, and I'm I'm pretty set on ending my big loser streak on Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way with you. I'm the same I'm, way with you on that. I'm I'm going full uh, facts and facts and data now. Yeah. Um, okay. Just an appropriate hint of heart in it. <laughs> I think I've got it this year. I think I matched the formula. I I, uh, I yeah, agree but, with you on that. Yeah. No. Nomadland. Just because nothing else is really appearing to be a runner-up yeah I don't, I don't even know what the number two would be it yeah. was trial of chicago seven yeah that's not really doing much right now yeah. and just to say Honestly, though nomadland did win the pga because i didn't announce yeah, that. oh yeah nomadland oh, yeah, won the PGA. Yeah. it should yeah. be implied it wins everything yeah but yeah <laughs> I, didn't even made... either, I went to bed before they even announced that i'm like i'm gonna wake up nomadland's gonna win i wake up first text i see from you nomadland no, no, no. won I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> the, bull, the, the, the bulldozing continues, as I put it, this award season. It's just been, everything. Yeah. And we're going to see it win BAFTA, probably. Probably. Uh, I mean, the awards here we're about to talk about is like the only place that really can't have a big night. And that's yeah. about it. And that's yeah. just the nature of the movie. Exactly. Not even, yeah, that's just the nature of the movie. It's I just... don't see, I, I, I don't see it missing right now. I think PJ is, I think they're on one of their winning years. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think also just because I think of the uniqueness of this year and also in the terms of when we look at the beginning of award season, we sometimes think that in the summertime, like this year it was the five bloods the year before that it was something like once upon a time in Hollywood, some films that have award season potential start out in the summer. And it's about the question of, do they have the legs to keep going? But the true start of award season is during the festival circle where we have Tribeca, we have Telluride, Toronto and Venice. And this year, because of the pandemic, there only were really two festivals that really went on and one full balloon was a venice film festival and then the other one that kind of had a hybrid mostly virtual was a toronto film festival and most years as far as i've been following this stuff each because each festival has different films throughout not one film is going to win each of those awards this year nomadland for this award season won both the golden lion at the venice film festival and the people's choice at the toronto film festival which is basically their best picture awards that they hand out to and their the films golden lion not like it's not it, there's not a lot of correlation with that in best picture no uh, no no no, no. Um, i'm just saying i'm just saying in terms of this year though. though but the people's choice that yes um that got green book that got um I remember it got 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. I think it got Birdman. Uh, you can kind of like find that path if you look yeah. at that, those awards. Last year, again, it was off, but at yeah. that point, uh, Parasite had already been, it already done cons and it already gone ready yeah. for oh, release. Par- so I don't think it was in contention there. Yeah. Well, pa- Parasite Toronto, as well, I forgot that as well, but you're right about that, that it premiered at, at cons and uh, but won the. It's important to note. Uh, Jojo Rabbit won the People's mm-hmm. Choice at Tiff last year, yep. and that went on to win Adapted Screenplay, which 
to some was a surprise. I, I think it was a surprise. To some. To some. <laughs> not, not Oscar geniuses like Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I think, again, just because of the uniqueness of this year, that it just goes to show that because the, the Golden Lion isn't that reliable, but the People's Choice is, but the fact that Nomadland won both prizes, when very rarely does that happen that a, a, a awards or a festival will do that because there's so many films out there because I think of the the limited films that were offered to those festivals, the fact that No Man Land won both, I think was the start of that train of just kind of being that big award season front runner that maybe we were in the beginning of the season starting to say, well, there's other films like Trial of Shadow 7 or Mank or something else that might've come down the line to compete with it. But it's just, No Man Land has just kind of been on this train from the beginning. And I think that started with the, the, the award season circuit of in the festivals of just being at these festivals and just winning all these awards at the very beginning. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just, it's a steamroller. I don't know what else yeah. to say about it. It's just, and, and I, listen, it deserves it too. It deserves, like it deserves it's a great it. film. I'm not even upset about it. You know, there's yeah. like a little hesitation with other, uh, you know, with other years when something steamrolls. I'm thinking of like La La Land most recently, and it's like the worst example because it didn't end up winning. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's not my favorite movie, but like, you know, it's, it's inevitable. But this year, I'm like pretty happy for Nomadland. It's not my favorite of the nominees, but it's one of my favorites, and yeah. it, it's the kind of movie I'm glad to see get attention. Yeah, it's, it's I, unique. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's it's a unique film, and especially I think for somebody like Chloe Zhao, who we love. To root for her and what she did with this film, kind of having her hand in the pot with so many different elements of it. I think it's just great to see her get the spotlight with this, especially when she's got a lot of great stuff coming down the line with Eternals and really starting to get more into big budgeted productions, which she deserves to be in and be a part of. I think this is just a great way to kind of introduce her to the rest of the world who aren't in the little in the cinema world that we're in that already know her. So I think that this is a great ride for her to be on and I'm excited for her especially when we have yeah before we can get to that oscar ceremony of course we have we have some prereqs to get through including exactly this weekend's big big thing well also before we get to that though another big one real quick pga animated feature soul no oh yeah obviously no (laughs) that's another one front runner runaway like i said at the oscar nomination like gun to my head like you have to pick one to guarantee win yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's that one. All right. So, yes, like you were saying, Jason, we do have a, a few other prereqs to get to. And this weekend, of course, is the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which, again, nine, not, not nine times, but eight times out of ten usually, it, it usually gives a great hint to what will most likely win on Oscar night. And I usually give – the sacks for me are – I usually go off of my picks for the acting category, most likely based off of the SAGs. Unless there's a big back and forth going on like a Glenn Close or an Olivia Coleman or something like that, I usually go with whoever wins that night is usually who I'm going with to check off my ballot box. It, it usually is just like a, a solidifying a pick, you know? Yeah. Like you have your pen over the little the little box, and you're like, do I do it, do I do it? And then you hear the name. Yeah, there we go. Yep, it's that's done. it. That's the one. Um, but so, first, the, you know, it's TV, TV yeah. and movies. So, you know, the TV correlation, because again, the Emmy season and the SAG season are different. So the contenders are not always the same. Exactly. 
it's, so it's, it's, it's in like a transition period. Yeah, it's a weird transition thing, but it's, it's you know, it's nice to win and worth talking about. So uh, Exactly. So we're going to get wanna, into it. Let's get into it. Let's kind of go through these a little quick. Yeah. I don't so, have like the most to say. I think exactly. a lot of these are pretty easy. And a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them are, I think, going to kind of correlate to what we've seen throughout the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, and this early part of television awards season, as, again, it's a transition between last season to this season to what we're probably going to get in the next few months. So we're going to start out with male actor in a television movie or limited series, and the nominees are Bill Camp from The Queen's Gambit, David Diggs for Hamilton, Hugh Grant for The Undoing, Ethan Hawke for The Good Lord Bird, and Mark Ruffalo for I Know This Much Is True. And again, Jason, I think Mark Ruffalo has been winning awards for his role in I Know This Much Is True. Yep. And I think he's going to be winning this award for this category at the SAGs on Sunday. Yeah. Emmy win, Globe win, SAG win just makes sense. Cool to see the V digs in there. Uh, it I, is but cool. none of these are happening. No. <laughs> Not besides him. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Ethan Hawke heard some good things Maybe. about The Good Lord Bird. But uh, Mark Ruffalo is like the he's the guy. He is, and also I would do want to say about Hamilton though. You do get the triangle in there because Les. Uh, no, 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 actually you don't because I uh, Leslie Owen Jr. did not get nominated for the Golden Globe. I thought he got nominated, but Lin Manuel no. Miranda got nominated at the Globes. Only and two. Dobby Diggs I know. I know. Huh? Leslie Owen Jr. got nominated somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> which, which he deserves. He won, the, just, he won the mind, Tony. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. But I just, for some reason, thought he got nominated for that as well. But that escaped my mind. But again, to wrap up for Hamilton, though, it is nice to see David Diggs get in there. For it was Hamilton. the one nomination I got. I think that's a cool. Win. Yeah, it, it, that's it for the movie. But again, great win, great nomination for him to get that recognition. Now to move on to outstanding performance by a female actor in a television movie or limited series. The nominees are Kate Blanchett for Mrs. America. I, Michaela Cole for I May Destroy You, Nicole Kidman for The Undoing, Anya Taylor-Joy for The Queen's Gambit, and Kerry Washington for Little Fires Everywhere. And Jason, I remember because the, the Screen Actors Guild nominations were announced a, a day after the Golden Globe nominations were announced. So I remember there was a lot of backlash when the Hollywood Foreign Press didn't nominate I May Destroy You for a lot of stuff. And that was one of the parts of kind of the backlash that I got in terms of nominating people of color and minorities. And it seems like the Screen Actors Guild, not just in television and film, were able to to fix that in their own categories and identifying all this great work from so many different places. And I may destroy you was one of those, one of those areas in television, but I do think that this is going to continue the role for the Queens Gambit and Anya Taylor-Joy is going to win this category. What do you say about that? Yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy just seems like the likely winner. Um, You know, with the attention that I made a story with Ben they have like, it's a very passionate group of uh, fans for it. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. It, I, but I, it seems like it would be a, a nice win if it could happen. Maybe there might be a back and forth going into any season with uh, her and Anya Taylor-Joy. But Anya Taylor-Joy just seems like it just makes sense. Uh, it, it, it went two for two at the Globes, and I, I'm just kind of expecting that again. I think she's going to just pick everything up between now and the Emmys. I agree with you. And again, she deserves it. I can't believe it's been months since that show premiered. It premiered in November, which is kind of crazy to me. That's six months ago now. That's crazy. That, that is really crazy. Like that. <laughs> All right. Now to get into outstanding performance by a male actor in a comedy series. The nominees are Nicholas Holt for The Great, 
Dan Levy for Schitt's Creek, Eugene Levy for Schitt's Creek, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Rami Yusuf for Rami. And again, just a kind of preference with Ooh, television. Oh, wait. This is a tough one. Yeah. I forgot that they, you know, you're, you're just going to say it. Yeah. I almost forgot that they put the supporting in the lead. Together. Exactly. Yeah. And we're going to see so that in, in the next In my head, category. this was so easy. I honestly think it is an easy one. I think it's pretty easy. I think it's Jason Sudeikis. Again, just kind of going yeah, off. Yeah, probably winning Jason everything. Sudeikis, but there's hesitation. There's I guess hesitation. there's a little hesitation. I don't know. He's been winning Dan, everything. Dan, Le- Dan Levy, I don't know. A little hesitation. Know. I'd like to think Dan Levy got it, but couldn't do it. But no, Jason Sudeikis, I mean, Ted Lasso, also uh, WGA winner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a PGA winner. I, I think it was. It, it did. I think it won PGA as well. It killed the critics' choice. Yep. The critics' TV choice. Um, that's happening, man. I mean, Ted Lasso, I think it's going to just – I think it's going to, like, chill when Emmy seasons come, especially when it doesn't ha- – if it's doing this well without or with Ships Creek in yeah. competition, I think it's, like, it's about to really have a great, uh, great run. I also, I, I'm so excited for season two. I, I've me too. seen this show. I don't know if that, since last time we talked about TV, if I've mentioned that, I've seen no, the show. So. I love the show. It's fun, it's, right? It's I, fun. I, I, but and it's, the thing is, it's got like that same like innocence that Ships Creek had that I, right. made me love Ships Creek so much. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like two little teddy bears. Like, which one do I want to pick? I think exactly. it's, the, it's the new teddy bear. But Dan Levy's got a huge career ahead of him, so he does. He'll Don't be he'll be back. discourage you when you lose, but but I mean, he's got a chance. But I just uh, think Jason today could probably have. I think Ted Lasso has a lot of momentum right now. Again, I, I think it's just fresh fresh blood. A lot of these awards bodies, especially early on with this award season, when it comes to the Globes and Screen Actors Go, they love to award new ta- not new talent, but new shows with talent that is just on the scene. And I think that's Ted Lasso is is that show this award season so far. And I am curious because they haven't announced when season two of Ted Lasso is coming out. So I wonder if it comes out late summer, early fall, around Emmy season time, if Ted Lasso doesn't get nominated, if that helps the buzz for Ted Lasso once again to kind of rejuvenate it and kind of carry that momentum forward for it with the comedy categories ahead. So I'm very interested to see what happens. But but Ted Lasso is definitely looking up and I think Sudeikis is going to take this award. All right. Moving on now to Best Outstanding Performance by a Female in a Comedy Series. The nominees are Christina Applegate for Dead to Me, Linda Cardellini for Dead to Me, Kaylee Coco for The Flight Attendant, Annie Murphy for Schitt's Creek, Catherine O'Hara for Schitt's Creek. So again, we have two nominees from the same show in Dead to Me and Schitt's Creek, and Kaylee Coco is the only sole nomination from a different show in The Flight Attendant. She's, I've, I've said it since the Globes. She's my dark horse. I thought she was fantastic. Her best role to date, even surpassing what she did in The Big Bang Theory. However, I do think this is going to be once again a kind of a homage, a, a, a career award to the great Catherine O'Hara for all the work in Schitt's Creek. And I think this is award is going to go to her. Yeah, that's I, it's not one of those things where I think her and Annie Murphy are going to split it. No, I think it's pretty clear that Catherine O'Hara, especially after winning the Globe, I think it's just kind of proved that this is. She's just going to keep the she's, – she's going to be the sole representation for the show in the individual categories, I feel. And, you know, she's, she's a heavyweight. She, I don't think she's won a SAG award in her career. And it's just kind of – I think they're happy to give her that recognition, whereas Kaylee Cuoco 
Uh, I actually feel pretty comfortable, depending on what comes out between now and Emmy season, that she could be the Emmy frontrunner for that. I just don't think now is the time, but maybe season two she can get her sag. Maybe. We'll um, but, yeah, I think that one's pretty pretty easy to lock up. We'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. But we got yeah. a, two, two more categories that are kind of – if we're sticking where I think we're sticking yeah, with the uh, acting categories. Yes. So we'll move on to outstanding performance by a male actor in a drama this is, series. This is going to be a tough one. The nominees are Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us, Jason Bateman for Ozark, Josh O'Connor for The Crown, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, and Ray J. John Page for Bridgerton. So I personally think that, again, this is going to continue the, the role for The Crown, and I think Josh O'Connor – is going to win this award. A dark horse, however, that I do predict, because again, like I said, the Screen Actors Guild, like the Hollywood Foreign Press, in some way, not the same exact way, they love to award new shows, sometimes new talent or great talent in new shows. And I would not be surprised if the dark horse in this one is Regé Jean Page for Bridgerton, because he's been somebody that has built a lot over that his career since that season of Bridgerton. He's been cast in a lot of great stuff. He's going to be in The Gray Man, the new Russo brothers film is going to be Dungeons and Dragons so this guy is, has gotten himself out there that people know about him so I would not be surprised he's my dark horse to win this category but I would still stick with Josh O'Connor for playing Prince Charles in the crown as my front runner to win this award uh, I also want to say uh, despite me not enjoying this a lot of what the season of Saturday Night Live has had to offer his, season, his episode was one of my favorites. I was, like, completely thrown off. I don't know if it was Funny. because of him or the writers woke up that week, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah, Josh O'Connor is, like, my default pick because I also have not gotten to the crowd. And It's good, man. I, I'm telling so, you. And so I, good. I believe you. And yeah. I just feel like they're not going to do – they've already done Jason Bateman. Yeah. And Sterling K. Brown and Bob Odenkirk just feel so, like, they're here every year. As much as a Bob Odom Kirkland would be really cool for me. Maybe uh, next year. Maybe maybe he's, they're saving it for like a big last season. Like a Breaking Bad kind of in a way? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, he can just win for his last season even though. Yeah. I don't know. I think there is still a chance for Odin Kirk. O'Connor feels right. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I haven't seen Bridgerton. Maybe it's – I haven't seen I can't really either. say. It doesn't feel like a winner, like a like – a, Sag winning show, but Shonda Rhimes knows how to get a good performance out of an act. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, again, people love it. It's, it's my big shrug. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Josh O'Connor, he won the Globe. He'll just keep winning because it's yeah. the crown. <laughs> Legitimately, the crown. Ray J. John Pay shot out of a cannon after that show. I mean, literally, he was casted a month or two after that show hit on Netflix. He, he's been being casted in these big budgeted films now. So, people must love it's him. A, He's a handsome man with a He's, fancy voice. and yeah. People <laughs> wanted to be in the next James Bond. Nobody heard of this guy until Bridgerton, and now people want him to be in the next James Bond. And that's how crazy it's been for this guy. He's shot out hey, of a cannon. Don't, don't, don't take all the roles. <laughs> yeah, don't take everything. Leave, leave, okay. leave some for, again, all, for the little all inclusion for everybody, but leave some for everybody else out there in the whole world as well. <laughs> but I'm excited to see where his career goes. And, again, this category is interesting. But, again, Dark Horse is him, mm-hmm. my front runner like you, Jason, with a shrug. But I do love him in the crown is Josh O'Connor for yeah. playing Prince Charles. And now another one that – 
I'm going to make a bold prediction with this category. It is outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series. And the nominees are Gillian Anderson for The Crown, Olivia Coleman for The Crown, Emma Corrin for The Crown, Julie Garner in Ozark, and Laura Linney for Ozark. So two shows. Prediction. Yeah, so honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if either we get someone, obviously someone from the, one of these two shows is going to win, but I'm I wouldn't be surprised if we get a, a tie. Show. I would not be surprised if we get a tie. Don't say it. That's annoying. <laughs> I don't know. You can't predict a tie. That's I can't, but I, like, I would not be surprised. Like This category is so stacked because, again, Julie Garner would usually been a, be in a supporting actress category. Gillian Anderson, for the most part, with these early award shows, has been the supporting actress nomination in television. And it's between Olivia Coleman and Emma Corrin. And Emma Corrin has been winning the best leading actress category. So either Gillian Anderson is going to win this award, Emma Corrin is going to win this award, or they're both going to tie. One of those two is happening. I don't think Julie Garner or Laura Linney are winning. You need to pick a face. I'm choosing Emma Corrin then. Because as much as I like Julian Anderson, Anderson, Emma Corrin has been the darling of the, this award season so far, one of them. And she's been the, the, the darling of this season of The Crown. As much well, as Julian Anderson has been amazing, it's been Emma Corrin's show. She has been the face of this season of The Crown. Even though well, Olivia Coleman's playing Queen Elizabeth. Okay, well, as someone who has not even seen the show, I will fight you. <laughs> I don't know why. I just want to be different. All right. Um, good for Netflix, though. They went five for yeah. five in this category. I mean, again, um, the strong female performances all the way around. So I have no we, problem with we this category. appreciate them for having strong female characters to even have people play. Yep. Uh, I don't know why I said Gillian Anderson. I just feel like she's a more respected, not that people disrespect Emma Corrin, but she's a prestige actress who's been in the industry for a while. And I think people would like to give her that that attention. And that is that is it. I don't know. You could probably be right. Or it's going to be a tie, and then you're going to be the most spot on ever. And I don't know. Because, again, it's those two have been winning their separate categories, and it's like one is going to win over the other, or if there's a split, it's it's either Olivia Coleman wins or whoever is that third pick, whether it's somebody from The Crown or whether it's like Laura Linney gets more votes over Julie Gardner and she shoots up over Olivia Coleman. That could be what happens because, again, to me, it, it's a nip and tug between – Jillian Anderson and Emma Corrin, who were the really, truly the highlights of that season of The Crown. So I don't know. I want to see Emma Corrin continue her role, but I don't know. I'm As going with Emma Corrin, though. I've seen three of the five performances that are nominated. Uh, Laura Linney was really great in Ozark. I really liked her. She was great. I mean, I have no problem with her winning. I don't either. know. I don't know, but I didn't see the other one. So what can I say? <laughs> you you got to get on the crown. I hope the next time we, we chat, I don't know if For it'll any, be April. By any season, I will have it watched. You don't even have to watch the other three seasons. You can just watch this season. And but then, then I'd, I'm not getting British history. I guess not. If you want the full British, the fictional British history, I guess you could watch from season one. Is it fictional? No, oh. it's, it's like it's, I mean, in the news, like, you know, they're, they're, they want it to be fictionalized. But it's, it's like it's, it's a fictionalized Romantic version side. of real events that went on. Okay. Like it's it's based on real events, but oh, it's, so is it? Would you consider a romanticization? I wouldn't say it's a romanticization. No, I wouldn't say that. Well, I I will watch it before the Emmys. How about that? Oh yeah, I'll give you that. This Absolutely. is my this is my this month. is my promise to watch it sometime over the summer. <laughs> that's fine because honestly, like I would expect you to watch in a month four C. That's forty episodes, and and honestly, for the crown, that that's a lot. That's a lot that's of crown. Forty hours. That's a full work week. <laughs> yeah, that's a four and that's a lot of crown to watch. Honestly, like even I have to say, like even watching one full season of the crown, like 
I was good for, for a few months. Like I didn't need to watch it anymore. So I, I don't expect you to watch like a full month's worth of it in one month. Like spacing it out is good. It's a good summer binge. Definitely a good summer binge to watch. All right. Now we're going to do real quick the ensembles. So best outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. The nominees are Dead to Me, The Flight Attendant, The Great, Schitt's Creek, and Ted Lasso. Real quick to me, this is going to be the same like it's best comedy it's going to be Shit's Creek. I think it's going to be kind of setting it out with the bang, honoring the cast, which all did a tremendous job. All were highlights in that show. And I think it's going to go to that crew. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I feel that makes sense. It's Shit's Creek. Maybe Ted Lasso. Not really anyone else. Probably not Ted Lasso, though. No offense to the other actors, because I actually think the ensemble is really great for that show. Yeah, it's a great ensemble. Um, it, it's just the guy. I, I think next season, it, it's got it in the back. I'll leave it at that. Shit's Creek's yeah, going to go out with a bang. Shit's Creek. I also, yeah, in, in the next category, I think it's just as easy to predict. Yeah, so outstanding performance by an ensemble in the drama series. The nominees are Better Call Saul, Bridgerton, The Crown, Lovecraft Country, and Ozark. Again, all great ensembles, but again, I'm going to have to go with The Crown. Again, you just named, there are three actresses in outstanding performance in a lead actress category, outstanding performance for a female performance. So again, I'm going to go with The Crown winning this one. Everyone else did great work on those other shows, but to me, The Crown, which is the highlight, had phenomenal performances across the board. So The Crown yep. was for me. Absolutely. I don't, I don't even know. Maybe Ozark, I guess, would be this number two. Maybe. But maybe Bridgerton. If we, have to pick, if we have to pick a number two or a number three, but yeah, it's the crown. Yeah, it's the crown, without a doubt for me. Okay, so we have TV wrapped up now. Now we're going to go on to the main event, and that, of course, is the movie category, which, again, is huge implications for what we think can win on April 25th at the Academy Awards this year. So let's get into outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role, and the nominees are... Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, Chadwick Boseman for The Five Bloods, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Jared Leto for The Little Things, and Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. So again, Jason, in this category, two of the nominations are not nominated for the Oscars. That's Chadwick Boseman for The Five Bloods and Jared Leto for The Little Things, replaced in the Oscars by Paul Reese for Sound of Metal and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. But again, this started to happen at the Golden Globes. I think it's just going to continue the train for Daniel Kaluuya, who was a standout as Fred Hampton and Judas. And I think he is going to win this award and solidify himself as the front runner to win the best supporting actor Oscar at the Academy Awards on April 25th. To that, what do you say, good sir? I want to be different. Oh, okay. But I'm not going to. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I want to be different, but I don't even know who else to pick. Daniel Kaluuya is my personal favorite of the performances, and I really hope he does win. Um, yeah, we'll see how Trial of Chicago 7 does, because that is like the big ensemble movie, and having Sasha Baron Cohen being the only nomination from it, that is the, that's something, but mm-hmm. nah, nah, I, I can't even, I can't even with like a straight save <laughs> try to act like it's going to be anyone else. <laughs> Do you uh, think Leslie Odom Jr. might be like a dark horse or no? no you think that's really. it? I really, I don't, I think that the momentum for that movie in general, yeah, it's stalled. Kind of faded away. And I know it got an ensemble nomination, but no, yeah. After the Oscars, again, once you get those nominations for the Oscars, a lot of the 
nominations that didn't do so well start to kind of fade away a little bit and kind of know who the big players are. Not to discredit any of these performances. Yeah. Everyone nominated in that category. Even Jared Leto? Even Jared Leto did a good job in a bad movie. Not a bad movie. He did a a more remarkable job in a very unremarkable film. Are Are you saying that because he didn't get nominated for an Oscar and Paul Racy got in instead? I'm very happy that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but we're, we're both in agreement though, that Daniel Kaluuya is probably going to be the winner this week or this weekend. Yes. For Judas and the black Messiah. So moving on now to outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role. The nominees are Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elgy, Olivia Coleman for the father, Yoon Jung Yoon for Minari and Helena Zango for news of the world so the only big omission in this category that did get nominated for a uh, an oscar for best supporting actress is of course amanda seyfried who got nominated for mank helena zangle did not get nominated for the oscar but all four of the other nominations in this category were up for the oscar so again i think jason this is the big wild card for the oscar race this year again people this is really open season for this category it's two pretty competitive races so i real okay this is one of them yeah this is one of them for sure this is my number one competitive category for this award season right now so again everyone i think is is thinking that glenn close could be the front runner i don't think that's the case you keep saying everybody you keep bringing it up but listen i've been hearing stop making Glenn close as their number one People have her as their number one. Stop talking about people. They're not real. <laughs> All right. I refuse so, but, to believe that anybody thinks that Glenn Close is about to win her Oscar for Hillbilly Elegy. That I truly offend me. <laughs> I truly believe, and I think you'll agree with me. That there's that, at least a one in five chance. <laughs> and that if, if Maria Bakalova wins this award, she becomes the front runner for the Oscar. She front has a, a great chance. Hmm. Because I don't think it's Yoon Jung Yoo. I don't think it's going to be her. I don't know. She's my number two right now. My number one is Maria Bakalova. In general or in this specific race? In, in this in this race. In this race. Like, I mean, not in, just in the, the SAG, for, but for like, the SAG or the overall? For the overall. Oscar. For the overall right now. Maria okay. Bakalova is my number one. For both. For both. For the SAG mm-hmm. and for the Oscar. If she doesn't win it, then she then whoever wins this award is going to be, become my number one. But right now, Maria Bakalova is my number one. Yoon Jung Yoo is my number two. Olivia Coleman's in my number three. Minari has gotten a lot of love. I know it has, but in, not just by Oscar. I know. Else, by this award at hand, as we'll get into a little bit, I am just feeling, and I, you know, the Maria Bakalova win would be great. I'm just feeling. You haven't seen Minari. I feel like that's also worth noting. Yeah. Yoo Jung Yoon feels like a, a like it's it's definitely like you look back in history that kind of makes sense as an Oscar winning performance in my eyes. I I think she does great work, and I think I don't know. It, I mean, I would be happy with either. They both feel um, unconventional in their own unique ways. So I'll be content with either. And maybe that's why I'm so aggressively anti-Glenn Close, which would be like the most boring win for a bad movie. <laughs> like a boring performance by an actress who we've seen win a bunch 
And it's just offensive that that would be the win. Like, it would just be – it would. It'd be the definition of a career win. It would be the definition of, are you kidding me? If the wife wasn't that potential win. Maybe Olivia Coleman win. wins, though. Maybe Olivia Coleman wins. Maybe. Again, that's what I'm saying. I the category is so three. wide that's open. That's why you keep talking about Glenn Close in my four. I'm like <laughs> – I mean, listen, I, this, to me, again, this category is wide open. I have yeah, no idea. I, don't know I if could I, be completely wrong. I don't know if I can convince you because it's kind of one of those gut feelings right now. It's like whose gut is pointing in what direction one of us is going to be, right? Yeah. I, I would love to see Maria Bakalova win. I'm feeling you, Jung Yoon, for this category. I'm generally feeling her for Oscar. Um, I think this, whoever wins this is my frontrunner for Oscar. I think that's when I can solidify it. Um, now the complicated thing would be if like Yu Jung Yoon wins for this, uh, and then Maria wins BAFTA or the other way around, or Olivia Coleman wins this one, and then everything's all all over right. the place. I just want something to be clean, Sam. I just want it to be easy. I just want to know who's gonna win. <laughs> Again, even though we don't put a lot of instance, even though we follow the the Golden Globes because they're still part of the award season process. And, and again, they give an indication of what the temperature of the room is. If Maria Bakalova won best actress in a comedy film, and it wasn't Rosamund Pike, would you have more confidence that Maria Bakalova would potentially win this category? If no. she won that award? Maybe, probably. Cause she would have had that. And she would have had the critics choice in hand. She won the critics oh, choice. She did win the critics choice, didn't she? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. No. You can't no. convince me. But now we're talking theoreticals. Okay. If I know, that's what I'm the saying. Globe, it's just theoretical. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just the- she didn't win the Globe. Yeah, and she lost to a performance that was not really being seen as an Oscar performance. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't really – I mean, she could still win the Oscar because the Globes are the Globes. What does exactly. Matter? That's what I'm saying. It doesn't you know, really matter. They gave yeah. this award to someone who wasn't nominated. Exactly. But again, I'm not trying to change your mind whatsoever. I'm just hypothetically speaking at this point. If we're hypothetically thinking – if we're hypothetically speaking, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what I, I, that, that to me is I just I just have a feeling about her. I don't know. She's just if been she a darling. Was, if she was, maybe maybe I'm just like the idea of Borat winning an Academy Award for an acting for an acting. I know, but it's just like, like I just I I don't feel the love, and, and I'm sure Yu Jung Yoo is great in Minari. I just don't feel the love that Marie Bakalova has been getting this award season. I just don't. Like, I know Yu Jung Yoon and Marie Bakalova traded off a lot of Critics Circle Award wins. Mm-hmm. But, like, in just terms of overall love, I just feel like Marie Bakalova has just been that darling that everyone has loved. And I just don't think Yu Jung Yoon has been getting that. I will wait until Sunday. We'll see. We'll see what happens Sunday. After that man. conversation. Yeah. I think this is, in my mind, a big turning point for Yu Jung Yoon. If she doesn't win this, though, I do think that it's like, yeah, if it goes to Maria anyway, then yeah, like I'll be on, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll bandwagon and say she's winning an Oscar for Borat. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that whenever I predict these awards, it's usually like at this point, it's like, okay, I have an idea of what's going to win it. And again, for a lot of these categories, I do have an idea and I think we both do. But this one, I'm like feeling like competition with it. It's like, you know, it, you know, it's, it feels tense. I get frustrated because it's like, I shouldn't have to not know things. I should yeah. know everything already. <laughs> Well, we'll actually talk about that in a little bit after we get through the categories in terms of the format of what the show is going to be. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But moving on to outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. The nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, 
Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Young for Minari. So again, Jason, I think this is the runaway of this award season when you talk about acting categories. Chadwick Boseman's the, the winner. There's no, there's going to be no dark horse. There will be a runner-up, but that runner-up's not going to cause any kind of buzz or competition whatsoever. This is Chadwick Boseman's award to, to win, to lose. It's going to go to him. He's going to be winning this and on another step on his way to Oscar glory. What do you say about that? I'm going to need tissues when he wins. Yeah. I'm expecting another pretty devastating speech. Not- well, it's just going to be heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. You're right. It's devastating, heartbreaking. To to. It's sad. Yeah, um, it's a sad. It's, you know, it's sad. I, I hate the situation that he's not going to be around to watch it. But yeah. Oscar win. Because it, it's just, if it was a performance, I genuinely felt like, Oh well, he he would he's only winning because he's not with us anymore. Like that'd be one thing, but to know it is one of those, um, it is one of those things where he's just so so commanding in that film and just very likely would be in this exact same position. Yeah, um, if he were with us today, that would you know that that stuff. It is heartbreaking. Obviously, he's my pick to win. Um, I don't even know who the number two is. Maybe Riz Ahmed. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's Riz Ahmed or Anthony Hopkins. Riz Ahmed. Okay, well, the fact that nobody can even pick the number two, I think, kind of tells you all you need. Yeah. My my number two was Riz Ahmed. My number three was Hopkins. In terms of, of ranking this and ranking, because these are the same nominees for the Oscars. That's that's my ranking for them, too. Yeah. So we'll see. But, yeah, I think Chadwick Boseman is going to win this, and he's going to be well on his way to becoming the third actor to win a posthumous award behind Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight for Best Supporting Actor and Peter Finch for Best Actor in Network. So, again, all both those actors deserve those awards. Again, it wasn't like they died, and it was because they died that they got those those awards. They deserve those awards, whether they were – they, they were with us or not. They, they deserve those awards because they were just phenomenal performances that people are going to remember for years mm-hmm. and years and years to come, no matter what. So I think, again, this is going to be the next step for Chadwick Boseman on his way to getting that Academy Award at LA Union Station and the Dolby Theater. And all right, moving the on. the only category of the four where all five made it to Oscar. Yep. So this is probably your best indication just because it's they're literally voting the same ballot. Yeah. Five for five. And and I should we should also say as well that again with a lot of these prerequisite awards when it comes to the guild, that's the most cross stream between the academy and the and the 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 industry. And mm-hmm. the screen actors guild makes up the most members of the academy branch. That that's the most crossover between the guilds. So again, yeah. which is another that's big why- indicator. These acting awards are so important. Yeah, that's why. Like, if you want, yeah, that's like it's like legit who's voting. <laughs> it's like yeah. that's whatever. Like sixty percent of the fan, voter base. Exactly. Probably. Which is why last year when when Parasite won Best Ensemble, usually Ensemble doesn't get that much recognition as a Best Picture, like mm-hmm. like prerequisite. But last year was kind of like a big eye opener for the fact that Parasite won and the fact that it was voted by the biggest awards body in the Academy. So that was again, the only indication you could have had that that yeah, was going to win. Um, exactly. So again, when it comes to, to the, yeah. to the actors, that's why I usually, whatever usually wins, unless there's more competition with the BAFTAs and other guilds, I usually personally go with whoever wins these awards to go on to win Oscar glory for the most part. Nine, nine times out of 10, I usually go with it. And that's a safe bet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is again, the last time that it didn't work out that way was Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, about two to three years ago. So it's been it's been a pretty good track record since then for the most part. All right, moving on to the final performance category at the Scrat the SAGs this year. The nominees for Best Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Leading Role are Amy Adams for Hillbilly Elegy, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDermott for No Man Land, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Now, Jason, I will say that I have jumped off the Viola Davis train. Finally. I <laughs> I I'm trying to tell it. you that train was never going to leave the station. Yes. <laughs> I do agree that it is a battle between Kerry Mulligan and Frances McDermott, and I am going to give my vote to Kerry Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. I think she is the frontrunner to win this award. I think she will solidify herself as being the frontrunner to take home the Best Actress Gold at the Academy Awards on April 25th. So I had a bit of an epiphany Uh-oh. recently. Uh-oh. What? Well, and first of all, I want to say I always saw Carrie Mulligan as an You did. You did. I have to, yep, 100%. I am very much still thinking she's going to win. And I think she's going to walk away with this one specifically. Okay. I don't What's think it's that much of competition. What's the epiphany? I think she's not nominated here because uh, it came out too late for SAG voters to, to see it. I don't know how much this win is going to matter. Not ma- not matter, but I think Andre Day is like right there. You think so? I think she's the number two. I think it's like might be decently competitive. I think she's, she's my number – she might be like my number three or four. And when we're talking about Oscars, like – I'm talking Oscar. Now, this is, this is where I'm going to – now, this is a little bit of a hot take here. I'm seeing so much support for her. I, people yeah. really like her. Yeah. She's, um, the, she's the bright spot of that film. <laughs> she's the standout of the movie. It's yeah. very similar to Judy's situation last year. It is. And, it is. and it's not like Renee Zellweger wasn't going up against actresses like Scarlett Johansson, who were also in like, movies with multiple nominations. Yeah. You're right. I think that's like a conversation to keep in the back of your minds after Terry Mulligan wins, not to get too excited. But I, I don't think yeah. Frances McDormand's going to be in the conversation for this category, especially if she's going to win uh, or already win her third Oscar as a producer on Nomadland. Yeah. I think the idea of her having four Oscars, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. No offense to Frances McDormand. Well, I think three, three Oscars. The actors, three. If she, well, if she at that point, it would be four. What else does she win for? If she wins picture. And oh, okay. Yes. Yes. But yes. 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 three acting awards and yes. best picture, four Oscars. I was going to say, she, she's not going to tie Audrey Hepburn. It's, they, they only got two they, awards. They are very picky when it comes to, like, once you win your second. Yeah. Especially your third. I mean, it took Meryl Streep however many years. Uh, it took a long time. Um, 30 years between... Uh, Sophie's Choice and Iron Lady. Mm-hmm. And that was just like them, like, throwing in the tower, like, fine, we nominated you like 80 times since then. We would just give you another one if you'd. Right. And then she stopped getting nominated much after that. Yeah, she, gets nom- she doesn't get nominated for everything now. Not like she used to. Yeah. Like, if it was like Into the, into the Woods or Florence Foster Jenkins, like, she's not getting nominated for that stuff anymore, at least. At least that I know of. 
But so yeah, I do think Harry Mullins gonna win. I think it's gonna be pretty easy. I don't think anyone else is really shaping up to be competition for her. Unless, you know, Vanessa Kirby randomly decides to be the front runner, everyone crowned her as early on. I just don't Yeah, see I was that one of those happening. people. I was one of those people that did that. I, I'll admit it. I did. So yeah, that. Carrie Mulligan, like my probably my personal favorite female lead lead performance of the year. I think that's yeah. happening. I think that's happening. That's my pick too. Um but I, I don't think it's like a heated battle in this category. But I do think up. come Oscar season. We'll see. We'll see um, oh, man. what happens at BAFTA. She's not nominated there. Yeah. This is like her last chance. So it, it's going to be – it's a conversation for another time, I guess. But I think it's just something to keep your eye out on. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm, Especially... I'm breathing life into this idea now. That Andre so Day could I, wait, But Andre Day was nominated for BAFTA, I believe. I believe she was. I have to double check. If she wins BAFTA now and we're coming back here like – Oh my God! <laughs> like, what's gonna happen here? The only time they've gone head to head, Andre Day has won. And I mean, that's true. Well, unless you count Critics' Choice, she is not nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role at the BAFTAs. Francis well, the BAFTAs is stupid. <laughs> well, no, well, no, Carrie. Well, we, well, you know, well, you're talking about. Oh wait, who are we talking about? Andre Day or Carrie Mulligan? You're, no, we're talking about well, both of them aren't nominated. Francis oh, McDormand. well, then I'm just wrong. <laughs> it's the only two that are nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars and at the SAGs that are nominated for the BAFTAs are Frances McDormand and Vanessa Kirby. That's it. I can see Vanessa Kirby winning BAFTA. I could see that, too. Um, okay, well, then ignore my theory. I guess, I guess uh, Canada Day doesn't have another uh, opportunity, really, to win. But I'm just saying it's, it's something. If, if you feel very surprised... On Oscar night, when Andre Day wins an Academy Award over Carrie Mulligan, just say, even though I didn't technically predict it, I told you so. If that happens, do we say that the the Golden Globes actually have influence in when it comes to in that in that specific situation? Yes, because I do think that that was like a very big talked about win. Yeah, her was- reaction to it was huge, and everyone was talking about it. I just think it shows that it adds to the momentum. It shows it just we always talk about it, but like yeah, you know, I think that helps solidify her as, voters, as that fifth spot. For voters, best voters are human beings; they see the they go on Twitter too. They see mm-hmm. like everyone tweeting, "Oh my god, Andrew Day!" and they've been promoting that movie like crazy, especially for her. Only especially. for her. Yeah, I don't even know who else is in the movie. I know other people are in the movie. I mean, I know Garrett Hunland's in the movie, but that's it. That's the only other big name that I know. Um, The guy from Moonlight's in the movie. Yeah, he's in it too. Uh, I don't know his name. Dante Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, I I know other people are in the movie, but if I were to watch any of the promotion material for it, I just assume it's her on a stage with a black background for two and a half hours. That's all all they're giving me. It's all her. I mean, that would, be, that would be what happened with Monique in, in 2008, 2009, when Lee Daniels did Precious. And she, even though that film yeah, went on to, he's like... he's already, to, he has a proven Oscar track record, too. He does. Even though his films over the last few years haven't really done well critically, he has he's gotten some awards recognition. What's that? He's had one proven Oscar contender, anyway. Yeah, one. He should have a few, though. I mean, I remember when The Butler came out. Everyone, everyone was labeling that to be the, the a front runner already. When that, because that was again on paper, that, that was, was a paper. award season film, front to right, left to right. 
It was a right, season gel. Back to left. Yeah, I know. I know and it did not happen. It did not happen. But yeah, this is a very convoluted way of saying it's Kerry Mulligan. I don't really know who else to get it. But I yeah. mean, we're just talking about someone who's not even nominated now. Again. Yeah, at, at least for this category. But again, it's just something to keep in mind. You do make a compelling point. But again, like I said, if she wins, she becomes my front runner for best actress. So I'm going. I'm, I am happen. going with Carrie Mulligan. I'm waiting for her to just really like solidify that. This is again when we talk about solidifying. This is the solidification. Yeah, this is it. Okay, moving on to the final category at Screen Actors Guild. It is the nominations for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Major Motion Picture. And the nominees are The Five Bloods, Minari, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. And this will be for one of the final times, one of the final times we will hear The Five Bloods' name during the award season. The last time will be at the Academy Awards for Best Score. But for this category, Jason, I it was the the number one in terms of getting the not the nomination for this category. And I think it makes the most sense to award it for this award. It is from top to bottom has an, an outstanding cast, even though one of their actors is nominated for an Academy Award. I think it, there's nobody that won that outshined the other in this film. And I think that speaks to how incredible about ensemble it is that everyone across the board did an outstanding job and i do think that the trial of the chicago seven is going to win this award it is the best ensemble of all of these films even though every single one of these movies has great cast and a great ensemble and everyone does a great job i think the trial of chicago seven is just from top to bottom an incredibly acted film and i think it's going to win best ensemble at the sags on sunday night what do you say to that (laughs) What a child. <laughs> a child? Oh, come you on. really think the movie with the most talked about ensemble is going to win Death Ensemble? I do. Now, here's a thing. Another epiphany? I got onto this Zoom. Uh huh. Agreeing with you. Okay. You're going to disagree uh, with me. Just history, sure. does, history, history favors the bold set. Okay. Uh huh. And I've kind of convinced myself that it's not going to be Trial of Chicago 7. Oh, no. I think this movie is, I think it's kind of deflating right now. I don't think the momentum's there. Don't tell me. This is a rare instance. Are you going to Minari? I feel like you're going. This is a rare instance where only two of the five movies here got nominated for Best Picture. You're going to Minari. I know you are. You are. We got to look back. (laughs) <laughs> what won what won best ensemble last year, Sam? Parasite won. Okay. What movie had a giant ensemble last year? Parrot oh wait, not uh, Parasite. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood. I was gonna say Irishman say, for a second. You can say Irishman too. Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Doesn't that just make sense? But it didn't happen. Yeah. <sighs> and then what about the year before that? What won best ensemble? Black Panther. Yeah. That doesn't even feel like no performance was were nominated from that movie. Yeah. And yet, you know, even though you had Stars Born getting three nominations, um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, being huge. Right. It didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess you can go back the year before that where it was three billboards. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, it's like that was up against like Lady Bird. And yeah. that, I feel like that seemed like it was going to, and uh, 
Cape of Water, which also got multiple actor nominations. Like, I don't know. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. Maybe there yeah. was a time where you could say, like, oh, like, the big ensemble movie. Like, even, like, Moonlight, that's a huge ensemble movie. And that didn't end up winning. Yeah. I lost to Hidden Figures. I, I don't know. Like, it makes sense, and that's why, because the SAG ensemble winners haven't made sense. Are you going with the Five Bloods? No, no, I'm going with Minari. Minari, okay. I just feel like the momentum is going toward that movie. It's beloved by the Academy in general. And I think a lot of that is shown by the acting branch. I think the SAG is where you, the SAG awards are when you saw the momentum come back after it got totally shut out pretty much of the Globes. And then you saw it come here with three nominations. All the performances are being talked about. Um, you know, people were talking about it potentially getting in. It probably, you know, was at least a conversation for top 10 in all four acting categories, I think Alan Kim was probably like an eight or a nine for supporting actor. And I think Yuri Han was probably around there for lead actress. I, I really think if you see the movie, you might understand. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I, I feel like even though it's a smaller ensemble, I think everyone does such a great job. And I feel like it's such an emotionally resonating movie. I think people are going to go with their hearts a little bit. I think they might do it. I, I think. Now, I could very well be wrong. Like, more likely than not, you're right. But right now, I'm like, you know what? I, I just want to, like, I'd rather shoot for the stars and be right making a bold pick yeah. than, like, default on the easy one. You know what I mean? Again, history has its eyes on you, Jason. That's for sure. They do have so their that's, own. That's my Minari argument. Um, See, even though part of me also like is like, what if it is the Five Bloods? Like, what if it is like a big middle finger to the Academy? And they're just like, nah, Five Bloods won. But considering know. the fact that the Five Bloods couldn't manage a Best Actor nomination at the SAG, even though it got the ensemble nomination. And Chadwick Boseman got it. Yeah, but it didn't get the lead actor nomination yeah. uh, for Delroy Lindo. I'm like, okay, they're clearly not paying enough attention to that movie. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, just not happening. Then yeah, Ma Rainey and the uh, One Night in Miami. I just, I don't know if that has the same. Yeah, I think the I think the the if if One Night in Miami did very well, if 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 they got a best acting category out of the SAGs and did very well at the Oscars, then I would say that might be in play. But I just think it's faded out yeah, over time. Absolutely. I don't know. It's just I think. <laughs> Parasite was so beloved last year. Like that was I I, feel like, I don't think Minari's on that level this year. It's I just not, it's not on that level, but I don't feel like even on any level, like, I just don't feel that this year. I don't. Like last year, even when I was choosing something like 1917 to win, in the back of my mind, Parasite like like in my again, it was like in my heart, I had a feeling that Parasite could pull out the impossible and do what it did. But in my mind, I was going with 1917 this year. Even with anything, like even with Nomadland and all these other categories with Minari in there, even with Best Supporting Actress, I just don't feel that love that w- with that other film. I, I just don't feel that 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 rallying behind a certain movie. I just don't feel it with, even with Minari, as much as I've heard great things about it. I just, I just haven't, I mean, I hear great things about it. I just don't see that rallying around a film like Parasite had last year. 
Yeah, but do you feel a rallying around Travis Chicago 7 right now? No, but again, when we talk about ensembles, like it's like that is the well, because ensemble. it makes sense because it's an ensemble piece, right? But I again, like across, like to me, to me, the great thing about Trial Chicago Seven again is even though Shasta Baron Cohen got nominated, to me, he's not, he might not even be the best performance in that movie. I still think Yaya Abdul Mateen II did a better job. I thought Mark Rylance was a little bit better than Sasha Baron Cohen. I just think everyone was on a certain playing field that were equal to one another, that they brought the best out of everybody. Not one person stood out. And to me, that is the, that is a true ensemble. And to me, that would be where my vote goes is the trial of Chicago seven, just because it is a, a ensemble, the acting, because that's what you look at. When I look at ensembles, when I look at the Screen Actors Guild, I look at the performances, and to me, that elevates the film. It's not just about one I performance. Have one addition to make. Okay. We also got to look at appeal. This is my last argument I can I can think of. We got to look at appeal. Now, Sam, you might not notice because you're a man. I guess. Do you notice one thing that every nominee? under um, the cast that's nominated for Charlie Chicago 7, you notice one thing every single one of them has in common? What? They're a man. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, the, the women st- can't the the women right. vote for a woman movie. But, like, I'm just saying, like, it's not just overwhelmingly men. It, I mean, you know, it's historically accurate. Like, I don't think yeah. it's sort of like gender blend, bended any of the characters or whatever. But I'm just saying, um, when you look at a movie that's, you know, supposedly like big and bold and whatever, but you look and all but one of the ensemble members is a white man. I mean, I'm not trying to get all woke here, but I'm just saying, I feel like if we're looking at broader appeal, um, you know, I just think, um, you know, it, it just, I, a movie like Minari might attract like a more uh, diverse voter base. And I think that's just, I think that just helps build that kind of, now we're talking like political terms, but if you want a coalition of voters <laughs> to help you win, I mean, I think that's, that's my last argument I can really make is I think it's got a broader appeal in that way. I think the movie is hot right now, whereas Trial of Chicago 7 is not quite uh, you know, it's lost its momentum post-Oscar. It's not even winning the one category that was supposed to be a layup right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think I think you're seeing a lot of that downward momentum, similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when that was coming out hot. Ha- that came out hot after the Globes. It won screenplay. It won picture. Um, and then from there, and it won Critics' Choice. And then from there, like, you started to see, like, that trajectory kind of shift downwards when you started to realize, oh, well, they're going to compete at Oscar. And they ended up losing Ensemble, which is supposed to be a layup for it. I don't know. I think the Minari win, it could happen. Trial Chicago 7 is likely. If you, if you want to be safe with your predictions, if you're just saying, hey, I, wanna, I just want the, a higher percentage Next to, you know, a higher percentage of wins. Go with Travis Chicago 7. But if you want to feel really good about your win, <laughs> try Minari. Watch it be something else now. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to give it a watch without a doubt. That, that it's going to be up on my list. I hope that's like a good PSA to watch Minari. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was, honestly, they should take that and put it in the advertising for the movie, for their awards consideration. 
for sure. All right, so those are our predictions for the Screen Actors Guild. Again, we're going to have you back on on Monday, Jason, to kind of go yes. over again all the what it means, the implications going forward, if there were any surprises, especially in ensemble. We got a big debate going on about it right now. And of course, best supporting or best supporting actress and best actress, what happens in that category as well. But there's one last thing that I do want to talk about, and that is of course the the rollout for the SAGs this year. And of course, this year it's not going to be a live televised event. It is going to be something that is pre-recorded this weekend and will be put on programming over TBS and TNT on Sunday. So how do you think that's going to go? And do you think that there could be a problem in that in terms of something leaking out before it is aired on Sunday night? It feels so weird to imagine it doesn't leak, right? And it does. I mean, unless they're super secretive about it. I, I, I Cause it seems like it's going to be a zoom thing. So I, I don't know. I'm going to try not, I feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's like, if you re- like, and it's going to only like, be I'm going to compare it to the only thing that it's going to be one hour. It's a one hour thing. Yes. Not, not longer. I, I like that for something like this, where it's like more of an industry thing, like it's going to have limited appeal anyway. Like, I'm sorry. It feels like they're throwing the talent towel. Like, oh, nobody's really going to watch this. They're kind of right. <laughs> yeah. um, especially in the pandemic. They're like, let's not even sweat it right now. And if they're not sweating it, don't make us sit through a super long show one hour televised so it's going to be edited down so it's for sure an hour which is great for me and my bedtime i so yeah i feel like it's going to be one of those things i'll compare it to the bachelor and one of the only things i know in the world um <laughs> where it's like look if you want to know who wins you just have to google it <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that could be it if you're if you're a real fan like i am with awards and bachelor <laughs> you're not going to look it up. <laughs> you're going to wait. That's how I feel about it. I feel, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to, some things are going to get leaked because, you know, someone's going to say something, one of the nominees in one of the categories and one of the ensembles or whatever, it just takes Carrie Mulligan to send that one tweet and it's all over. <laughs> I want it, guys, look at me. Or like some social media DM gets messaged out of one of the actors holding a sag and it leaks out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's all I'll say about it. But I like the idea for now. I, I don't know if I would like it to be permanently like that. I'd no. like them to kind of try to make it a little more engaging next season. But for like the COVID year, it's like, yeah, go, go, go at it. Only make it one, one hour. Let me sleep a little more that night. Let's don't make it the Globes. <laughs> We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But listen, it's, it's again, one of the final steps in this award season. Again, I can't believe that we're towards the, again, the, the last stretch. It's third base to home at this point. It's, there's no looking back. The wheels are turning. And it's been kind of crazy to think about this award season and the fact that, you know, we thought it was going to be forever. We were going to be doing this <laughs> for the last few months. But we're, again, in that final stretch. And, again, it just feels a little weird that we're in April now and, we're coming up on the Oscars when at this point we would kind of be gearing up for the Cannes film festival and the summer movie season. And, and we're still going to gear towards that, but we still got to get through this award season with last year's like Godzilla V Kong didn't just come out. Exactly. Blackbuster season is back. (laughs) Blackbuster season is back, man. I'm the back. 
<laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to. There's a lot of films to check out from this award season. And we will definitely be looking to have you back, Jason, on Monday, where we will again recap everything for the Screen Actors Guild. We'll have you on. We'll dissect everything, what it means for the Oscars. And then, of course, talk a little bit about the Oscars, because there is some interesting stuff that is coming out about how they're going to prep for that. So we'll have a little preview. And then, of course, we'll have you on for the Oscar show that we usually do every Friday before or the Friday before the telecast which will be on the 23rd, I believe, of April this year. So again, we're at the home stretch, but there's still a lot to look forward to, a lot more before we get to April 25th at LA Station and Dolby Theater. So lots to look forward to. I'm excited, but it's also one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of ready for the season to be over. It's been way too long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's been a tiny bit too long. Just a teeny tiny. A, tiny, a couple months long. It's, you can see the movie in the streets, like, okay, like we're getting ready for summer. And I'm like, but the Oscars are still here. Exactly. Like, it's funny thinking about films such as like Malcolm and Marie and Cherry came out. And remember in December, January, when we thought those were going to be competitors, I thought they were going to be competitors. I, and look where we are now. Well, no, I was thought someday I was going to get a nomination. So. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I was actually looking back at tweets from earlier this year, and I remember when the trailer for that film came out, and I said, this solidifies or, or this indicates that Zendaya, she's going to get one of those five nomination spots, guaranteed, no doubt. May, might not win it, but she'll get one of those five spots in. That and year. here we are. Well, we also said the same thing about Delroy, Delroy Lindo early on. So yeah. we can just only be as right as we can be. Exactly. But hey, that's the beauty of award season. We're right, we're wrong. There's surprises, there's twists, there's turns. There's nothing else quite like it. Nothing else right. quite like it. We're going to get more of that in the next few weeks ahead. And then it continues on with the Screen Actors Guild. And with that, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everybody on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, thank you so much for tuning in. And you can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel, B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-S-A-M-U-E-L. You can also find me on Facebook at Sam Bissell. You can also find my YouTube page where you can find this interview and a whole lot more interviews on my channel that you can check out in video format as well. Or of course, on audio format on SoundCloud and on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions on Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well. And Jason, is there anywhere that you want to plug in that audience members can find you as well if they want to keep up to date with what you're doing on social media? You can see me like some occasional tweets at Jason Abdow, J-A-S-O-N-A-B-D-O-W. And then maybe when I'm in the mood, I get into a... I haven't been in a Twitter mood in a while, though. I haven't been in the tweeting mood in a bit. Sometimes I go through waves. Well, you're also kind of a big music fanat aficionado uh, as well. I, you know, I, I am music, and you yes. got great lists that always come out. So, where can people find your music list? Oh, well, you can go to criticaldarling.com for that. But for my yearly albums to listen to, if you're looking for stuff from last year to listen to, I keep saying I'm going to, you know, restart that that blog more full time. Here I am. One of these days, it'll have a grand relaunch. So, just wait and see. <laughs> So again, Jason, thank you so much for being on here. It was great to have you on. And until next time, everybody on the San Bissell Podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. And Jason, once again, great to have you on. And we will see you on Monday to dissect everything post Screen Actors Guild. So thank you again, buddy. It was great Thanks talking to you. Thanks for having me, Sam.